You're listening to Finding Your Genius Zone with Dirk Novell. With the help of successful individuals across industries, Dirk breaks down the unknown parts of every vocation while highlighting the importance of finding a career where you can leverage your natural skills, passions, and interests. Now here's your host, Dirk Novell. Hey everybody, this is Dirk Novell. On with me today is Billy Pohl. Billy, welcome. Thank you. Thanks for having me, Dirk. Good to see you. Good to see you, my friend. Uh, okay, so this is int- Billy's in commercial real estate. And what's interesting is when I was coming out of college, I would say 60% of my buddies got into this industry. And I think that was a big reason I didn't want to. I didn't want to do what everyone else was doing. And I'm not saying that's not a good reason or not. That was just my reason. But Billy is a guy that I've known for a long time. Um, and I don't know exactly how we met, but Billy met, uh, married a, a, a amazing woman that I grew up with a little bit, Rika. And, and I remember when you guys got married, I was like, what a great, I mean, not after getting to know you, I'm like, what a great combination in terms of two people that are perfectly aligned to be Thank together. You. But anyway, Billy's a really well uh, diverse. He's got a lot of interest, an athletic guy, funny guy, just He's just a dude you want to hang out with and have a beer. And I'm really excited to have you on. Um, I'll stop rambling. I want to talk a little bit, obviously, about what it is you do. So if you were, you know, I know that you love to play tennis. You're going to Palm Springs, sitting on the plane, and someone sits next next to you, and they say, hey, what do you do? How would you answer that? First thing I would say, I'd love to play tennis, but then I would ask them, do you also play pickleball? (laughs) Because that seems to be a new passion these days, along with half the other country. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I'm a commercial real estate broker. I've been doing this for about 20 years. I have uh, done a lot of different things leading up to commercial real estate. Uh, but similar to you, Dirk, I purposely avoided commercial real estate early in my career. My father was in the business. Um, later, when I dated and then married Rika Piha, um, her dad was a long timer in the business as well. And um, I always felt like commercial real estate was interesting and a dynamic industry, but because my family was in it and my father-in-law was in it, I just, I knew I always wanted to blaze my own trail. And so I basically did that until um, I was involved with a high-tech company, GoToNet, back in the internet days. And then after I left there, I was looking to just kind of do my own thing and develop long-term relationships and be in an industry where I really could have um, my own schedule, work with the people I want to work with, and just to have more control over what the final destiny was going to be. And so um, through kind of the process, my father-in-law basically pitched me one day and said, look, you know, I, I can't believe you're not in this business. Why don't you just try it for a year? And that, as it turns out, was 20 years ago. And I'm fortunate. I do a lot of different things in the business. Um, the easiest way to describe it is I work with buyers and sellers, landlords and tenants. So I do kind of all, I wear all four of those hats as well as the investment hat, because I certainly invest in real estate and help people do that. Um, But it's just one of those industries that just kind of fit my personality. It's just, it's dynamic and it's always changing. And I like a lot of variety. I like a lot of variety in athletics. I like a lot of variety in friends and activities and different things. And this was a business that kind of just felt like the most natural fits 
of anything I've really ever done. And it's been 20 years. I can't imagine that I would really do anything else at this point in my life because I get to do um, all those different things. And it's really fun. And it's it's been amazing. It's an, been an amazing journey in commercial yeah. estate. I, I forgot the go-to net days because I yeah. was in technology. I was at I broadcast. Yeah, broad, you know, the guys um activate broadcast.com, yeah. Yahoo. So we kind of have think a similar that's maybe even where we met originally was through some of those guys at Activate or something like that. So yeah, shock, yeah. Maskell. Um yeah. probably. Um so there's okay, I want to go deep on commercial real estate, but before I do, I want to get a little go backwards a little bit and I know I should know this. I apologize. You went to, where did you go to college again? I went to a small liberal arts school called Colorado College. Yes. And that's the one Colorado where, Springs. that's where you take one class for like six weeks, right? Exactly. Yep. Three and yeah. a half weeks. You take a final and you have four and a half days off. Yeah. We had a, my brother had a buddy, Dan Hallisey, and uh, he went there and I remember like, what a great idea. Like yeah. get some, okay. So you were there and you grew up Mercer Island. I grew up in South Seattle, so Mount Baker, Mount Baker. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah. So, okay, so God, that's funny. I somehow I thought it was MI. Okay, I so you're coming Everybody out of thinks I'm MI just because we've lived on Mercer Island for okay. almost twenty years, and you know I was there a lot playing tennis and doing stuff growing up. But no, I'm a Seattle kid. That's why I was thinking with the tennis. Okay, so you're yeah. coming out of school, and then you did you just get right into technology? Is that kind of what happened? Not at all. <laughs> no, I. So I started um, early in high school. I believe it or not, I started working for Schwartz Brothers, Schwartz Brothers restaurants. And I worked through high school. I always liked to work and through high school and then every summer in college and then even after college, I worked for Schwartz Brothers. So I've done everything um, kind of I've done every front of the house position you can do in a restaurant. From starting, um, you know, making espresso and sandwiches at Cafe Casino, which became Schwartz Brothers uh, Delicatessen, to running a fish and chip stand, which was Benji Fish and Chips, to working in Benjamin's. And then I worked at Kachina Kachina as a waiter for four and a half years. And so, yeah, I my my background was really in the hospitality business, working for Schwartz Brothers. Yeah, so. I, I did a lot of restaurant jobs as well. Yep. Uh, great, great training for life too, by the way. The best. It is. Um, okay. So you, then you, you got into technology. We have a similar background. And the thing about Billy and, you know, Billy knows the audience could be mostly younger. Maybe you're in your thirties, your forties, but you said something that I think is really, really important is so like when I, when I left Yahoo, I went back to, I thought I wanted to be a psychologist. So I went back to school to work with young kids so yep. I was doing night school to get my doctorate. And oh, by the way, I needed to make money because I was getting married. Right. So I fell into a job like, okay, I know a lot of people. I think most of them like me. I don't really want to travel. Uh, so I fell into lending, um, which is you know a job where anyone I bump into could be a client potentially. Yep. And the thing about Billy that I think is really important is he's a very likable guy. He knows a lot okay. of people. Um, you know, and he, he could be the smartest guy, but if he didn't know anybody, didn't have a network, then, you know, his success might be minimized for a while at least. But the thing that you have to pay attention to is this, in my opinion, if you're interested in commercial real estate, you got to know people. You really yep. do. You got to have a relationship. They got to know who you are. And that's okay if you're not the most popular guy in, in the city, but totally. you got to at least start somewhere. So I think that's really uh, an important 
uh, thing to listen to. And Billy was very dialed in and, and you can tell, you know, in two minutes, five minutes, he's a likable guy. Um, so getting into the business itself. Okay. So I have, I get a little confused. So I have friends that are just on the listing side and we're talking about commercial properties, not residential. Correct. All commercial. So, you know, office, warehouse, retail, multifamily, right? I don't do anything related to homes or, I mean, the smallest I deal with are, you know, maybe apartment buildings that are 10 units or more, but I do not mess around with the residential real estate. Which is where I, where I am. Exactly. So you have people, and this is where I get confused. I know you have people like Broderick Group, for example, they do listing. Yep. And then you have people that don't do listing. They do, they represent buyers. buyers. Yep. And then you have people that list to sell buildings and, and then also just to lease space in the building and the same thing for buyers. And then you have people that maybe do both. Yep. You do. Am I missing, missing any flavor? Not really. I mean, you know, it's some people, it's interesting in this business because some people purposely specialize in either a particular product type. So maybe you're an industrial guy or gal and you want to do it. And maybe you specialize in a geographic region as well. Right. So there are people here and really successful guys in our company that are industrial and South End. Right. So they do everything south of Renton all the way down to Algona, let's say. Um, there are some people that say, I'm going to just specialize in only represent representing tenants. Right. Whether it's office or industrial or maybe they represent retail tenants. Right. You work with some local companies or you you grab onto some franchisees and you do all their site selection work. Um, so there the thing I love about real estate too is you can decide. Like, do you want to represent tenants? Do you want to represent landlords or maybe families with their portfolios? Do you want to um, do a particular product type? Do you want to do a particular geographic area? I mean, there's a lot of different schools of thought on how to do that. Some people say the best way to do this business is specialize, specialize, specialize. I've taken a different approach. It's kind of the approach that I learned from my mentors, you know, my father-in-law being one, and then now my partner, Dean Alteras, who's been my brokerage partner for 15 years. And we're generalists in the business. We figure we have good real estate knowledge. You know, we know a lot about a lot. We know a little about a lot of different things. We're not as dialed in and know as much about one particular area, but we know um, a fair amount about a lot of different things. So we we wear the generalist hat in what we do. And I like that because in any negotiation, right, if I'm representing a tenant, I know exactly what the landlord hat looks like because I wear that hat too. Hmm. And when I'm selling property, and we do a fair amount on the listing side of selling properties for families and small businesses, I know exactly how to look at it from the buyer's perspective because I'm representing buyers as well. So I think that's kind of our secret sauce is that we can really know the all kind of all angles of the business. And at the end of the day, we're matchmakers, right? We're bringing together needs and putting things together and trying to make, you know, transactions happen. And, you know, it's like I was saying before, it's just, it's dynamic and it's interesting. And I think that's a way that we provide really good value to our clients is by being that generalist type of commercial real estate broker. So you're kind of talking about the pros of being a generalist, correct? Yep. Yep. Can you kind of, are there cons as well? 
I mean, the cons are maybe you don't know as much <clears throat> about like, let's say somebody's looking at retail in a very specific submarket, you know, in a smaller area. You know, I'm not going to know as much as somebody that that's the only area that they farm. Okay. Right. If that's their area, they they'll know every ownership, every deal going on, this and that. And like I was saying, you know, I know a little bit about a lot of things and I can get, especially with technology, you can find out information pretty quickly these days. And I'm fortunate because I have a big network of brokers here in our company. I mean, we're the third largest brokerage company on the West Coast. So if I need to learn or figure out something pretty quickly, I've got the the people and the resources to do that. Yeah. Um you know, the other con is just some people say, hey, you know, you're um, you you know a lot about King County, but I need somebody to know a lot about something in Snohomish County or whatever. And so I'm not always the right fit. And that's, again, part of the beauty of this business is, you know, I'm not the right fit for everybody. But when when we are the right fit, it's the right fit. I mean, it like yeah. totally works. I always talk about dating. Dating is like so perfect in life. Like it's the yes. same thing. You might don't, you date the wrong way, you're gonna end up with the wrong person. Um, yeah. So what about like someone that's younger and they're like, you know, I think I love real estate and, and but how does someone, is it just a matter of dating the industry and then gravitating towards, you know, whether you like industrial or mobile home parks or apartment buildings or strip malls or restaurants or whatever, like, how does someone that's getting into the business um, figure it out? Or does it just take time? It, well, I mean, I think there's a couple of things. And I've talked to several people about this, even recently, a couple of kids that go to school with my daughter at Wisconsin that are thinking about commercial real estate. I mean, the best thing a young person can do is really get mentored by somebody that loves this business and can expose them into a lot of different areas of the business. I don't think as a young person, you know if you necessarily like retail or, I mean, maybe you naturally gravitate towards something. So if you worked in restaurants, maybe then you gravitate towards retail. Or if you worked in um, an office, you know, in one of your college jobs, maybe, maybe a college environment is something you like or you're interested in office. But I think the best thing to do is just work in an environment or work under someone, whether it's a runnership program or start with an internship or do something where you get exposed to a lot of the different areas of the business and to ask for it. Just say, hey, I don't know what I wanna do in the business, but I know that I'm interested in it and I wanna learn as much as I can about as many areas as possible. Yeah. The biggest detriment to people getting into this business is commercial real estate is, um, it's great because you don't have a ceiling of what your income potential is, right? But in the first couple of years, you really don't make much money at all. I mean, I don't care who you are. You can't make what you can't, you can't make what you could in technology as a new commercial real estate broker, unless you just happen to get so lucky that a huge deal fell into your lap. You're, I tell people, I mean, you really have to view this as you're building a snowball, but you're starting with a few snowflakes at a time. And those snowflakes will, will start to compound and build on themselves. But the first couple of years are the hardest couple of years. You're most likely going to get exposed to farming an area, do a lot of cold calling. You know, you're starting to build your network. You're doing all that stuff. It's not always easy. 
It's a lot of hours. It's you're not getting well paid, but you almost have to have that. Um, you almost have to just know that it's a self-fulfilling prophecy, right? If you believe that it's going to work out, it probably will. Yeah. And it will work out, but you can't get discouraged like after a year and a half going, God, I just can't make any money doing this because maybe you even have to supplement it with something else in, in those first couple of years by, you know, working extra on weekends and doing something where you get have an hourly side gig or something like that. But I will tell you, if you're the kind of personality and you like people and you genuinely like helping people and you have their best interest at heart, you can ramp up pretty darn quickly in this business and you forget about how lean those first couple of years were because suddenly after year three, four, five, that snowball is rolling and you're and you're really starting to make, you know, you're you're making a good living, hopefully doing something that you're really enjoying at the same time. Yeah, I think that's I mean, you went right into some great advice. I would say I think a lot of times we're I'll speak with for myself. I was so quick to ex, expedite success. Like I had a dad who's all about money yep. and, you know, older brother making money. And like I was just so quick to get out there. And and I think it's important for people that are like, huh, like, but some you got to pay the dues because you got to look at your life in 15, 20, 30 years down the road. Yeah. You know, whether it's being a doctor, I had one guy who wanted to be a doctor, but he was scared to go to medical school. But you have to have a long term vision of where you want to be. Yeah. And then the other thing you were talking about is you got to want to help people like people. But I know there's other skill sets. It's a very a lot of my buddies I mentioned are in this business. So yeah. at some point, Billy's you differentiate yourself from guys like, you know, Broderick group or Kip Darrell right. or whoever, what, what is it about Billy? Like, what is it that like, where, where did the skill sets like come into play? Or is it just based off of relationships? I really like Billy. I know him. I trust him. I hang out with them. I play pickleball with them. What separates guys from like, you've got a lot of good talent, but what separates the good talent from each other? Yeah, it's a great question, Dirk, because I think at the end of the day, it really does come down to relationships with people and how people relate to one another. Because we're all, I mean, if you can, I mean, there's so many good people in this business. And, that, and that's, again, one of the things I love about it. Um, people are competitive, right? You get a lot of athletes in this business that have that competitive instinct. Um but we're all, by and large, looking at the same information. And when you've been doing this for a long time, I mean, you kind of know who the players are because it's, the, you know, 80% of the business is done by 20% of the people. It's the 80-20 rule. Um, I think for me, what differentiates, you know, when I'm going head to head with other brokers, and, and again, it's an interesting business because it's a competitive, collaborative business, right? I might compete for a project, let's say I'm competing for a listing to sell a development site in Seattle on Capitol Hill. The three other people I'm competing with are probably, if I get the listing, one of the deals is probably gonna come from one of the brokers I competed with, right? So you, you always are walking kind of a fine line. We're competing with each other, but then we're collaborating with each other, right? So. Um, one day we're, you know, trying to get the listing. The next day we're trying to put the deal together. So yeah. I think, um, you know, I think people that have been doing this for a while know that you just, um, 
I think you have to have your best interest for other people at heart because chances are, I mean, if you don't get it, somebody else does, you're, you're going to be working together again. And I think, um, you know, we're, we're all kind of doing the same thing. We all have very similar skill sets, I would say. Um, I think what differentiates me and my partner, Dean Alteris and I, is that I think we really care. I think we care about people. I think we've been, I've been doing this for 20 years. Dean's been doing it for close to close to 35 years. And I think anybody that's worked with us knows that, um, you know, we're going to try our best for our clients and we're going to always have their best interest at heart. And we'll talk a lot of people out of not doing deals because we feel like that's the right thing to do. Hmm. And um, so I don't think there's any one thing like, you know, I do that much better than the guys at Kidder Matthews or CBRE or Collier's or whatnot. I think it's just at the end of the day, even when I'm going on a listing presentation, I tell people we're all we're all doing the same job. But it's a very intimate job in the sense that you work a lot of hours with people, especially on big projects. And at the end of the day, I tell people decide on who you'd like to just spend that much more time with, right? I mean, because at the end of the day, that's what it's going to come down to. You want it to be a pleasant experience, right? And so yeah. I just tell people, work with who you you know, like, and trust and feel the best working with. I think yeah. that that's really at the end of the day, the differentiator. I love it. So talk to me about anything that's and I want to hear the bad too, if if possible. Yeah. I, I I know you're a positive guy, but anything like good and bad that have that caught you off guard. Like you're a smart guy, you knew what you're getting into. You had friends and family in the business, but now that you've been in it, what twenty something years? Yeah, twenty years. Okay, so Two like years, anything, years. you're like, whoa, I didn't see this coming, and I I don't like this part about the job, or God, I really love this part of the job. I didn't think this was part of it. Like, is there anything <laughs> you can point to? Yeah, I mean. I'm fortunate it hasn't happened many times, but I can't say that it hasn't happened is, you know, you do a lot of work for someone and you feel like, yeah, I'm their guy. Like that's, there's no question. You do several transactions, you know, their families, you've helped them become successful. And then one day, let's say you help them buy several pieces of real estate. One day you realize, oh, they worked with somebody else to buy a piece of real estate. And, and you think, what about me? I mean, I, we have this great relationship, but things happen. I mean, people have lots of relationships in their lives. And I think that part still hurts sometimes, but at the same time, I think you, I, I think you learn to live with it, but it still hurts when it happens, right? That you feel like, God, I mean, you're, we have such a great relationship yet, why did you feel the need to work with someone else? And again, a lot of that can be circumstantial, right? Yeah. Somebody takes them a deal and they're like, well, I'll just do it with this person because they brought me the deal. I don't need to bring Billy in because, you know, he always helped me find other deals and this and that. And, and that happens. Um, Real quick, I want to I want to touch on that because yeah. this, is, this is the stuff that I like to get into. So lack of loyalty <laughs> is really one of the things that I didn't. I, I can't, it, it's hard for me, right? It's really hard. Even when your like family decides not to use you, but, um, and I'm not speaking from yeah. personal, but I've seen it all. So, yeah. but, but what's interesting is, okay. So you're watching this and you're like, okay, I get loyalty, whatever, but like realize that the kind of job or profession career that you get into. So I'm in real estate lending. 
And yeah. in, in my opinion, a much more commoditized business than yours, you know, you can, you're, we're not far away from one touch lending where you can, you know, do it with an automation, whatever. So I, I lose a lot of business, um, you know, because it's very commoditized, but now you take your career, um, like, I guess what I'm trying, I'm Tommy boying this, I'm not saying it very well, but the lack of loyalty, I think diminishes based off of the career. Like, like in my business, it's easy to go find another lender and your right. business, it, it, you can go find another Billy, but, but like, if you're a brain doctor working on someone's child and you're one of the best, right. chances are you're going to be frigging loyal to that person. So be aware of like, the industry you're in and the competition and how, like, if you're a financial planner, chances are, if you get a client, they're going to stick with you. That's yeah. harder to break that loyalty. So just pay attention to the loyalty part. What about something that you love about your job that you didn't see coming? Um, I love, well, I, 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 it's not that I didn't see it coming. I guess I just didn't realize how much I would love this aspect of it. I love the flexibility mm. with my job. I love the fact that I don't have a boss telling me what I need to work on every day. I don't have somebody telling me how many hours I need to work a week. I don't have somebody telling me when I need to come in the office and when I need to go home from the office. Um, I love the fact that I can schedule, you know, time is a very precious commodity, especially as we get older and I'm in control of my time and my schedule. And that has enabled me to do a lot of the other things that have made this. I, I love to use this, this saying with commercial real estate. Commercial real estate is a great way to make a living and it's an awesome way to make a life, mm. right? It's, I, it, it allows me to coach it allows me to take vacations when I want to. It allows me, if I want to surprise my daughter and go to Madison, Wisconsin and show up for the weekend, I can do that. I mean, I just can do those things because I have a lot of flexibility with this. You know, yeah. I don't have employees. I have clients. And that there's a big difference in that. And um, I don't have warehouses with inventory that I'm constantly worrying about. I just, I have an inventory of deals I'm working on, on with the clients that I'm helping. I love and it. That, that flexibility, I think, has um, been probably the best thing that I never really thought about. The second is just, I, we, Dean and I were at a smaller company. We were at Morris PR Real Estate Services when I first started. We were there for 10 years my father-in-law used to say, God, you you guys have outgrown this place. You need to be in a bigger environment. You need to be around more people doing more deals that are just in the know of what's happening in the market. And when we came over to NAI Pizzown Properties, you know, we knew a lot of the brokers, really liked the people. There's really no ego in this company with people. And I love the fact that we came to this company and we've just been invited to work on a lot of different things with a lot of the different brokers here, that that's something Dean and I never expected, right? We kind of had our book of business and with the clients that we have and, and coming here has just truly just expanded our universe in terms of the things we've gotten involved with. I love it. Yeah. Um, so we've got, a, we've got a little bit of time left. Uh, I want to really get in on so walk us through or explain to us like, uh, and you can say it in any way you want, but like, if I don't know much about commercial real estate, and I'm listening to you. I'm curious, like, does Billy have 
10 clients and does he, you know, I mean, I know that you typically get paid per deal. So it's not like a recurring revenue stream or annuity based income. Talk to us about the frequency of, of like how you're compensated. And like, I know it depends a, a good market. You could be super busy, but like, is it normal to be working 20 deals and do deals average, you know, can they take a month or two years or what? I mean, again, Dirk, you're asking great questions, right? And like a lot of things in real estate, it depends. You know, if you break, excuse me, if I break down kind of our type of business, if I'm representing tenants and doing like retail leasing site selection work, you know, at any given time, I'm probably working on, you know, four, five, six requirements at a time. And those deals can take anywhere from a month to a year and a half, two years to find like the right areas. Um, the deals themselves, you know, there's there's just kind of a process of how the deals go, right? There's, you know, doing the survey, looking for the properties, then going out and, you know, the, touring the properties. And then from that, you know, filtering the list, then writing proposals, and then working on those proposals. So on average, it probably takes, you know, once you identify properties that you like, a few months to work through the proposal and then lease stage. Okay. Um, And again, that's one of the reasons that I like wearing different hats is because the leasing side, leasing is just kind of the always it's always happening, right? There's always leasing going on. The sales side is is so interesting because sales generally take, you know, at a minimum 60 to 90 days and a maximum a couple of years. You're talking about selling the actual structure. Selling the actual structure, exactly. So leasing is, you know, either on the tenant side or the landlord side, those are reoccurring. So we do on average, probably between my partner and I, we probably do... 30, 32 leases a year, something like that. So on a monthly basis, it's a couple leases get done per month. Mm-hmm. And then on sales, that can vary anywhere from two to 10 or 15. And okay. those can vary anywhere from 60 to 90 days to a couple of years. Don't forget, one of the things that is hard about this business, and going back to your question before, is you can work a long time on a deal and the deal doesn't get done. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's no fault of yours. And maybe the hardest thing that I always had to learn, and even after 20 years, it still can be hard, is that at the end of the day, I'm not the one signing the contract, right? My client does that. And so I can do everything within my power to get the the deal teed up, ready to go. But the completion of the deal comes from them, not from me. And things things unravel for a lot of different reasons. So I think you've got to be the type of person that just has perseverance. Mm-hmm. And you got to believe that, hey, if the deal doesn't come together, you know, if I have a good relationship with my client, another deal will come together with that client. It didn't happen on this one, but something else will happen. That's a hard thing to, um, <laughs> that's a hard thing to understand and truly um, believe sometimes when you spend, you know, I've spent a year and a half, two years on a sale that at the last minute in the last week fell apart. And it's hard. I mean, you're invested in this for a lot of hours Mm -hmm. and a lot of time and a lot of energy, and then it doesn't come together, but it goes back down to the fundamentals. If you have a good relationship with your client, even if the deals fall apart, 
other deals come together and you just, you have to just persevere. And you, and I'm not going to say that you ever totally get used to it, but you get more used to it. You can't, um, you can't, you can never count on a paycheck, you know, in this business, because it's all commission, 100% commission. You never can count on cash in the check till literally it's in your pocket. Yeah, I hear you. So like if you're selling, that's a one-time compensation, right? When it Correct. closes. And yep. if you're leasing, let's just say there's a two-year lease or a three-year lease or whatever, and then that renews, is that a second hit compensation-wise? It, it can be. I mean, the way it works with leases, um, let's anything, um, let's just say it's a five-year lease. The broker gets paid half, generally half when the lease is signed, half mm -hmm. when the tenant is open for business. Okay. okay. So of the value of the lease and the percentages change according to the type of business that you're doing. But then if the tenant renews, some, sometimes landlords will pay an outside commission to help the tenant renew. Sometimes they don't, but they're, but still as a broker, you want to stay in, in touch with that client. You just don't want to love them and leave them, right? You, you get the transaction done, but you stay with them because you never know kind of what, what direction their business is heading into. And there's always opportunity to help. So you and I both love sports and like, I've always kind of, this is a random direction, but I wanted, it's just coming up in my head. I wanted to talk about it. Like I'm always intrigued by like the elite, like what separates people, like what is it about Quinn Schneider that made him so damn good about, you know what I mean? Like, I know he's good at this or whatever. Like in, in your world, you, you know, you talk about, there's a lot of talented people, likable, competitive, gritty, um, whatever the, you know, but then, but there's, is there like something different, like having like market knowledge or an awareness or a, a gut on where, I mean, you know, in my business, people have guts on where the market and rates are going, yeah. but is there something else like that you've seen? Like, oh my God, is there like a person, you don't have to name the name, but is there something that elevates somebody over the rest? Uh, based on something that's intrinsic to who they are, other than just they're well connected and they know, you know, the owner of this huge company, you know, whatever. Is there something other than just being a good guy, uh, an honest guy, like, or is it really just come down to that? I mean, there's a few people I can think of in this business that have been immensely successful. And I think, you know, are they that much better actual brokers than anyone else? I don't know that that's necessarily the case. They're very good at what they do. Industry knowledge, their follow-up skills, their reading, writing skills are are very. I would consider excellent. Okay. Um, but I but also let's face it. I mean, I think some of the people that work with some of the biggest clients will also say, you know, they have great perseverance, and they also maybe got lucky. Mm -hmm. Right? There's luck involved in all of this, right? I don't ever know when I start working with someone, you know, how far this business might go. And there's some been some people that have helped, you know, these really small incubating technology companies that have grown up to be these huge mammoth companies. And if you're with them from the beginning, you know, that mm -hmm. are you that much better of a broker because, you yeah, know, yeah. you happen to represent, you know, this huge technology company than someone else? Well, yeah. you're probably a really good relationship building, follow through person that um, was fortunate enough to help someone in the beginning stages that that was probably a brilliant person that could, you know, grow this company. Yeah. And um, 
I do think though that the best of the best in this business are they're not only personable, but they just they're um they work really hard, they work really smart, and they're really good follow-through people. They're they're just their follow-through is excellent. And yeah. that's what I've seen as a, a differentiator. I mean, I can't believe it. And I hope I'm not insulting anyone when I say this, but I can't believe after 20 years being in this business, how many successful brokers there are that really just aren't good about returning phone calls. That to me just seems like, I mean, that's a no brainer. I mean, our our job is to just call people back. Yeah, I get it. And but but I don't see them being that good, but yet they're doing a lot of business. So, uh, I mean, who knows with that? So while we wind this thing down, I, I am curious, like, okay, you've given a lot of really great information and being so close to guys that do what you do, it's funny, there's a lot of this stuff I don't know, but walk to me, like, you know, you're, you're in front of people, walk, articulate the day, the week, What's it look like? I mean, if you were to piece of pie and carve out like, you know, 80% of my time is out talking to people and being in front of people, 20% yeah. is researching, you know, whatever. Like, what is what is the average week look like for you? Well, my, as you know, Dirk, the first and best, most important part of my day is always going to the Bellevue Club first thing in the morning. <laughs> I mean, I'm a huge believer in that because I think habits, um, healthy habits make for more healthy habits in life. And so I'm just a believer that starting off the day, clearing the mind, you know, doing exercise, being social, that kind of just gets me warmed up for the day. Mm -hmm. Um, so that, so now, and if I look at my schedule, that's the very early part of my day, then I'm generally in the office, um, you know, responding to some emails or doing stuff, getting caught up in that morning emails. Um, I have anywhere from one to four or five meetings a day with people. And it can be, you know, going over a survey of property. It can be talking about a lease negotiation. It can be touring different properties, you know, walking a development site, even meeting with contractors, with clients. I mean, those, um, you know, there aren't that many days when I don't have either a lunch or a coffee with someone or some sort of interactive meeting, you know, face-to-face. -face. Um, in fact, if I have a day when I have no face-to-face -face meetings, I always feel a little antsy, like, God, I'm not doing what I really love to do. But occasionally there are days when I just have to write proposals or I have to put together a marketing piece with my admin team here. And, you know, I spend the whole day in the office, but generally I'm in the office maybe a third of the time, 30 to 40% of the time. Okay. Um, but I also like that too, because I can just have a chance to to see the other people in the office. But I would say, um, you know, somebody asked me the other day, like, if you were a dog, what kind of dog would you describe that you are? And <clears throat> what kind of dog makes for a good broker in commercial real estate? And I and I would say, without even thinking about it too much, you it's a golden retriever, mm -hmm. right? You're just kind of a golden retriever. You just like people, you like being out there, you know, you like giving people attention, you like getting a little attention, you know, you just, you just that kind of personality, you're friendly, you know, that. So I, I like to just go out there and be a golden retriever. Yeah. And I, and I bet you're a good one. I mean, everything you're describing is what like, I would think of, like, if I didn't know you, and I got to, you know, had coffee with you, I'd be like, this guy is in the perfect career for himself. As far as those meetings, let's just say you do two or three a day. Does yep. that are those are those like, 
no prep meetings or are you spending an, an hour of research or, or is it just off the cuff, like chit chat? I mean, is there a, do you have to prepare for these or are these meetings that you're just shooting yeah. the shit with someone? It, it depends. I mean, if it's a, um, you know, a meeting when I'm, let's say I get a referral from someone, I, I like to make as a rule of thumb, I don't want to work with someone. And nowadays it's easy to just talk to somebody on the phone or answer a couple of emails back yeah. and forth. I like to sit down with somebody and just get to know them. So if I'm having like a get to know from a referral of somebody that might need my help, you know, maybe I'll look at their LinkedIn page or go to their website, get to know the business a little bit, but then I, I don't do much more prep. I just want to keep an open mind and get to know them. If I'm sitting down with someone and, you know, going over a lease proposal or, um, you know, we're looking at a bunch of different sites, then yes, there's a lot of preparation that goes with that. I mean, you do have to do a fair amount of research in this job too, as far as getting pricing information and, uh, a lot of it is just talking with other brokers uh, and, and getting kind of the insights to relay that over to my clients. Yep. And that just comes with time and knowing how to do that over time. So one thing I'm thinking about, like, it's a small town, really, when you, I mean, you know that, right? Uh, totally. Not only are you representing your clients, but you, there's, I would think there's also an art of being easy to work with, not like a pushover, totally. but not being like that dude that, oh, you don't want to do a deal with Billy. Right. Uh, I mean, right. So you're almost selling to yes. your competition, right? That exact. That's the competitive collaborative mm -hmm. element of this business. Yeah, yes. for sure. And yeah. look at the end of the day. I mean, I think you could say this in your business, Dirk, and a lot of people could say this at the end of the day, you really only have your name and your reputation in this business. I mean, sure. You have the knowledge and the experience, but at the end of the day, I mean, that's what's most important is just building I mean, you're building your personal brand, more yeah. or less. You and are. You want, you don't, I mean, what you want, and I would hope this is the case with most of the people that I work with, especially brokers, I want when they see my name on the phone, they want to pick it up yeah. because I'm not going to waste their time. They they should know that because we've worked together and want to talk to me. I mean, that that's the hope. That's that's what you're trying to always build. No, I love it. Um Two questions and we'll wind this down. One, is there a question that I haven't asked you that you being in the business and in the career that's like, if we're talking to an audience that's thinking about, you know, a young woman, a young man trying to get into your world, is there anything that, that I haven't asked that's important or anything on tip of your tongue as far as advice? I mean, I think you've asked some really great questions. Um, you know, sometimes people ask me, you know, if I wasn't doing this, if I hadn't kind of found this after, because I went from restaurants to, um, I was actually in the beer importing business for a little bit. Then I went technology with GoToNet. Then I did a radio stint real quick, um, selling advertising. You know, is there anything else that maybe I wish that I had done, you know, in this? Um, you know, there's always a part of me that thinks like broadcasting would have been fun, yeah. you know, like being on radio or doing what you're doing or, you know, that kind of thing, doing a podcast um, would be really interesting. Or I, like for me, like having a talk show host, being a talk show host and having a talk show, I always thought that would be like a really cool gig. But, um, you know, I just feel really fortunate that I kind of found this and I'm glad I found it when I found it, right? If I had gotten in this business straight out of college, I don't know for sure if I'd be doing this now. You know, and I um, because when you're young, I think you should try some different things. 
You know, if you think the grass is greener on the other side, then go see if the grass is truly greener. And and maybe it is for your particular skill set. Mm-hmm. And or maybe it's not, but I think you need to try. I think sometimes you learn from what you don't like as a part of the journey to get to what you do like. And like for me, having a varied background and you know, doing four or five things before I got into real estate, now looking back on it, I realize how holistic it made this job for me and all the things that I learned by doing the other things really helped me, you know, in this particular job. Yeah. I love that. And I mean, that's the battle with this podcast, Billy is life take, you know, take action, live life. It's like dating, go, go date and see what you like. But I also, I do think that I would like to see younger adults and we both have kids pay attention to those things that light them up that, you know, make them a better version. Like when you come home and Rick notices you're in a really good mood, like what, what is it? What'd you just do? Like what happened? Like, I I think taking inventory, because we're all different. You and I are similar, but yet we're different. Um, And we all have different things that light us up. And I think I would personally like to see more people in alignment uh, with those skills and those passions in their career. Cause I think a lot of people, frankly, don't like what they do which is okay. kind of the reason I started this podcast. And my last question, you just friggin' answered yeah. it uh, already. I was like, what's your dream job? And, and sounds like, is it a talk show host? I think, I mean, I think that would be an absolute blast. What would I you think, talk about? Like anything? Anything. I don't think I would have like one particular, you know, and maybe, it, and who knows, maybe I'll join you someday, Dirk, and we'll do it together. We'll just interview people, you know, yeah. but I just think, I just love people. I love people's story. I love Mm -hmm. learning about people. I just love how we're walking around every day and everybody has such a different story in their life and what makes people tick. And I I love learning that about people. And I think, you know, being a talk show host would give me an opportunity to just ask those questions for people. I love Um, it. You'd be good at it. You'd be really good at it. It, it would be fun, but I get, but in a way, I mean, in my own way, I get to do it with this too, because I ask people a lot of questions and, and I just like to learn. I mean, if I can say one thing to young people, it's, it's enjoy the process of learning because it's something that you never, ever stop doing in your life. And in college, I think is learning how to learn because after college is, you know, then it's the real world and the real world is, you know, an opportunity to learn a lot and learn a lot about what you like and a lot about what you don't like. But- I, I just had that convo with my daughter who's going to college next year. And she kind of said, do I need to go to college? Like, and she wasn't not wanting to, but I'm like, yeah. it's a good question. Not, I mean, college isn't for everybody, but I think that's an opportunity to learn to learn, like yeah. how to learn about managing your time, your day, you know, uh, I, I'm totally with you on that. So anyways, we'll work on a talk show for you, Billy. I really appreciate you <laughs> taking the time. Um, you're an awesome guy. I, I I'm honored to call you a friend and, uh, you were great. And I think you gave a lot of really good information. That's going to be super helpful. So thank good. you. I hope so. And I'm, I'm, I always like being a resource for people that, you know, if people get connected with your podcast and they might, you know, have questions or help you know, need help or thinking about this as an industry, I just put myself out there that I'm, I'm, you know, happy to help people that are considering this as a, as a career. Yeah. I, you'd be great at that. Billy, have a good day. I know you got a meeting coming up. Uh, Enjoy your day. Thanks, Dirk. Great to see you, my man. See you later. All right. Bye.